Fine, please. Uh, the gospel according to Mark, the good news according to Mark, and the good news according to Luke, Mark 4 and uh, Luke 5. Mark 4, 35. Mark 4, 35. And then Luke 5, Mark 4, 35. And Luke 5, 12 to 16. Mark 4, 35. And inspired by God, Mark wrote this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving, and I would underline for today anyway, that's the, this is the line, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Luke 5, verse 12 and following. Luke 5, verse 12 and following. While Jesus was in, the, in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The pandemic, the pandemic forced us to slow down and it was kind of nice. The price was tremendous. The loss of life, over 700,000 people dying in the U.S. alone. The quarantines, the isolation, the loneliness, the loss of jobs. The price has been tremendous. So I'm not sure that any of, this good th any of these good things coming out of the pandemic will have been worth the price that we paid. But some good things have come out of it. And, and some people have found a real silver lining behind this dark cloud of the pandemic. And for many, that silver lining has been a slower pace. Families have talked about getting to know each other again. Families, mom and our dad getting up early and coming home late. But between all the kids with their practices and performances and recitals and rehearsals and travel ball and all that, families just passing each other. But now mom and dad were having to work from home, kids were having to stay home, families were talking about working jig jigsaw puzzles and watching movies and, and actually eating meals together. Lots of us knew that we were moving at an unhealthy pace, 
We knew that our loads were too heavy. We knew that those things that made us look successful were actually making us feel miserable. And some people have said, I'm not going back. Some people have said that they're not going to return to that preposterous pre-pandemic pace, just not going back. Granted, for some, slowing down is not, this talk about slowing down is not applicable. Financial pressures are forcing somebody listening to me to work two jobs or to work overtime to make ends meet. I understand that. Some people listening to me live alone and you're lonely and you're thinking, I need more interaction and more activity, not less, and I understand that. And there may be some of us who are a little bit lazy, who need a fire lit under us to do a little more, but for many of us, it's time to, it's time to pull over and talk about slowing down. It's time to talk about not being Henny Penny. Remember Henny Penny? Henny Penny, a.k.a. Chicken Little, a.k.a. Chicken Lickin, was out there in the yard, the barnyard, looking for something to eat, pecking around, when an acorn fell on her head. Me, oh my, she said, the sky is falling, the king must know, so I will hurry and tell the king. Henny Penny was hurrying to tell the king the sky was falling when she passed by Cocky Locky, and Cocky Locky asked the million-dollar question, where are you going in such a hurry, Henny Penny? Well, the sky is falling, she said. I must hurry to tell the king. There are lots of lessons to learn from the story of Henny Penny. Number one, the sky is rarely falling. And number two, it, if it were, we probably couldn't stop it anyway. Don't be Henny Penny. Don't be Henny Penny. This is the last week, of course, in, in our study, The Good and Beautiful God, and it's kind of odd. We've taken an odd turn. We began saying God is good. We talked about God being trustworthy and generous and love and so on. And now at the end, we take an odd turn, perhaps, for one last Sunday in The Good and Beautiful God to say, why are you, why are you in such a hurry? Why would... James Bryan Smith included that as it include that as his last chapter because I think we all know that some of us are not enjoying the good and beautiful God or our good and beautiful lives or our good and beautiful families or good and beautiful friendships because we are in such a hurry. The truth is many of us are fried and frayed, frazzled, out of gas, out of time, out of sorts pooped out, tuckered out, wiped out, washed out, so hurried that we're not enjoying the good things in life, including the goodness and beauty of God. Now, I know there are hectic seasons in everybody's life. You know, the, the accountant for whom tax season is a blur, the single parent who has small children at home, and you, you feel like you just don't have enough arms and enough hours in the day, and member of the sandwich generation, your kids are too young to drive, your parents are too old to drive, and you feel torn in two different generational directions. The student trying to get through finals. There are those inevitably rushed and hurried times in life, but we can't live like that all the time. Truth is, we all have a limit to our loads. Ships have 
Ships have what's called a plimsoll line, P-L-I-M-S-O-L-L. On the hull of cargo ships, there is a plimsoll line. It's a line, there are markings that say, don't load this ship any more than that. With every crate that is loaded onto the deck or into the hull of that cargo ship, the ship sinks just a little more into the water. And when the ship reaches that level, that it comes up to the plimsoll line, they have to say, enough, because then the, the ship becomes in danger of, of sinking. And you have a plimsoll line too. There is a limit to what you can do and what you can bear. Now, different ships have different plimsoll lines, and you and I have to get, we all have different capacities, but you have to be self-aware enough to know what is my limit. And we all have limits. When I was in seminary, one of my good friends was taking a full load of, in, in, in school, he was working two jobs. He had three little ones at home and literally said to me one day, I believe God has blessed me with an unusual capacity for load. And then one Saturday night, ended up in a Louisville emergency room. The diagnosis, exhaustion. You have a plimsoll line. You have a, a limit as to what your load, your capacity is. Listen, cargo ships that sink are not very helpful. And you may have good plans, you may have godly ambitions even, but if you're sitting in, the, in an emergency room on Saturday night or you're overloaded or you're cranky or you're the, you, we all have a, we all have a limit. Jesus understood how to live life not in a hurry. We read about that a moment ago, Mark 4. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And he left the crowd. Luke 5, the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So what can we learn from Jesus? What can we do to live a less frantic lifestyle? Number one. Learn to leave the crowd behind, to go to a quiet place, to withdraw from the frenzy. Jesus carved out rest breaks in the middle of his week. Jesus was available but not manipulatable. He was not so good, he was not so high and mighty that he could not be interrupted, but he would not be manipulated. He was available, but not manipulatable. Jesus understood the difference between servanthood and servitude. Servanthood is meeting people's needs. Servitude is trying to meet everybody's expectations. There's a difference between serving people and trying to meet everybody's expectations, which is, of course, impossible. So follow Jesus. Take a long walk. Take a power nap. Take a break from social media. Take a day. Take a week. Turn off your phone. Leave the crowd behind. Go to quiet places for rest and withdraw from the frenzy. Number two, learn the value of so-called wasted time. Jesus did some things that the crowds would have said were wasted time, but he did them anyway. If you go to Europe and visit the cathedrals, and some of them here, of course, that, I mean, look at this. 
Look at the space between the floor and the, and the ceiling. You know, they don't build a lot of buildings like this anymore. We're more efficient. I like Leonard Sweet's take on it. He said, somebody was asking about that wasted space in European cathedrals. He said, that's not wasted space, that's God's space. So this is not just wasted space. This, in your life, value, learn the value of wasted space. So a nap, not right now, but a nap at some more appropriate point. A casual conversation with somebody, a long walk, Learn the value of so-called wasted time. Number three, cut down some trees. Cut down some trees. When Carrie and I lived in Richmond, we had a corner lot. It was kind of a, a large lot. And then there was a, a section of our backyard where we had a bunch of trees and we, were, we tried to grow grass. It was just hard dirt, rocky kind of grass, sticks. And we couldn't grow grass for anything. In fact, we were told the people who lived there before had tried to grow grass there, but we couldn't. There were just so many trees. And those who knew what they were talking about said that the trees sucked the nutrients out of the soil, that the trees could, uh, the, the trees sucked the nutrients out so the grass can't get any, and, and they shade the grass so that the sun can't get to them. And people said, if you want grass to grow, you're going to have to cut down some trees. But I loved those trees, and so we weren't going to cut them down until one night. We had some people over, it was, it was new members to our church for an orientation. And while I was inside doing the orienting, Carrie took the kids outside and played, and they got out in that dirt and that hard dirt and she was embarrassed and she came in after everybody left and she said we're going to cut down some trees and we did in fact she said if we want our future grandchildren to have a decent place to play we're going to have to cut down some trees and we did and we planted grass watered it and if you were to drive by there today on Swanhurst Drive, 2461 Swanhurst Drive, you would see a beautiful backyard with a few trees still there, with beautiful grass. But the grass wouldn't grow until we cut down some trees. Some of you and some of me need to cut down some trees. Just too many things going on. Too many things in the calendar, too many things in the schedule, too many too many loads uh, to bear. If, if, if you want peace and serenity and rest, some of us are going to have to cut down some trees, even at church. Is anybody here overcommitted at church? Then shame on us for letting you do that. You have my permission to say, I'm going to cut back on a couple of things. Because it's not healthy to get overcommitted, even at church. Now, the truth is, the reason that some people are overcommitted is that some are undercommitted. The reason some people need to step back is because some people haven't stepped up. So would you step up to help us with things like worship care, helping take care of Mac and others on Sunday mornings? Would you... Would you help us with the tech crew? They, when you see the bulletin and when you see the messenger, we're always pleading for help. Would you step up so that others can step back? But if you need to step back as if you need my permission, then you've got it. 
you may need to cut down some trees. Number four, learn these words. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. I want to share with you a decision that I've made, but before I share that decision, I need to confess something. For um, going on six years now, I have gotten up in the morning and gone to bed at night bearing the burden of the future of this congregation. And I've said it publicly a number of times. Those very words. Nobody bears the burden of the future of this church like I do. I get up in the morning thinking about it, go to bed at night thinking about it. I've said that as if that has been an, an admirable thing. But when James Bryan Smith came here, you know, he kicked off our study by preaching on the first Sunday of this series, The Good and Beautiful God. On Saturday night, uh, we gathered as ministers and spouses in the gathering place in a circle. And he just talked with us and told us this story. A few years ago, he was speaking at a conference overseas. The previous year, the late Dallas Willard was the speaker. Dallas Willard, very popular. The late Dallas Willard, very popular, influential, discipler, Christian writer, and the mentor of James Bryan Smith. So when James Bryan Smith went to this conference to speak, again, the late Dallas Willard had been there before. The people were excited about his gift. They were give him, going to give him a gift as the guest speaker. And they were obviously excited about this. People would ask him, have you gotten your gift? Have, they, have you seen your gift? Have they shown you the gift? And he was getting kind of excited. What might this gift be? And on the last day, they presented him the gift. It was a coffee mug with a picture of Dallas Willard on it. With these words, you don't have to make it happen. That had been Dallas Willard's theme the previous year. You don't have to make it happen. And James Bryan Smith spoke to us as ministers and spouses to say, you don't have to make it happen. And I knew then that what I would take away from the good and beautiful God were those words. Sitting there in that circle, I had something of a mystical experience. When I knew that those words were for me, and so I said it to those in the circle. I told them, you've heard me say that I bear the burden of the future of this congregation. And I said, I'm laying that burden down right here and right now. But please don't misunderstand me. I, I love this church as much as I ever have. And I, I'm excited about the future of this church as much as I ever have been. And I'm going to work as hard as I ever have worked. But there's a difference in working hard and bearing the emotional burden that I have borne. I can't make it happen. And I'm not just telling you that so that you'll know my journey, because some of you need to hear that too. You can't make it happen. Some of you single-handedly have been trying to save your company. Some of you single-handedly trying been trying to Save the factory. Some of you single-handedly been trying to save your family. Some of you have been bearing, just like I did. Nobody put that burden on me. I, I picked it up and laid it right there. Some of you are bearing uh, an emotional burden and you need to hear, you can't make it happen. Would you say that after me? Say after me, let me say it. 
and then say it after me. I can't make it happen. Say it. I can't make it happen. One more time. I can't make it happen. Some of us are just beating ourselves up and running here and there and wearing ourselves out, trying to make things happen. When the sky's probably not falling, and if it were, you couldn't stop it anyway. So Henny Penny, you can't make it happen. Some of us, some of us rush around because it makes us feel important. Some of us rush around because it makes us feel valuable. Some of us rush around because we think we have to prove our value to other people. And some of us rush around because we think we have to prove our value to ourselves. Jesus knew when it was time to work hard and heal the crowds and when it was time to, to leave the crowds behind and waste time. You need, you need time for yourself, but there are some people who need you. Once upon a time, there was a lighthouse keeper whose job was very important. The beacon that he stewarded, that he managed, the lighthouse that he managed was on a rocky and dangerous shore and the beacon of that light at night was a lifesaver for the ships that passed by. And at the beginning of every month, the lighthouse keeper was giving an allotment of fuel to keep the beacon on. And then one day, a fisherman came by and said, Mr. Lighthouse Keeper, I, I'm running out of fuel. Would you, would you give me some of your fuel? And he was glad to oblige and he gave some of his fuel to the fisherman. A couple of days later, the party boat came by and the pilot of the party boat said, man, I left in a hurry. We're having such a good time. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't have enough fuel. Do you mind? Can I have some of your fuel? And the Lighthouse Keeper was glad to oblige and he gave him some of his fuel. A couple of days later, the tour, tour boat came by full of tourists. The pilot of, that, uh, pilot of that boat said, man, I left home this morning in a hurry and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to get these tourists back to their cars. Uh, I, I don't have enough fuel. Could I have some of your fuel? And the lighthouse keeper was glad to oblige and he gave him some of his fuel. And then near the end of the month, a terrible storm blew in. And that night, ships were in peril. The lighthouse went, keeper went to light the beacon, and he was out of fuel. Dangerous was the dark coast, and lives were unnecessarily lost in the darkness because the lighthouse, lighthouse keeper didn't have any fuel left for the one thing he was responsible for. If you give everything away, then when it comes time for those who desperately need you, 
you'll have nothing left to give. If you say yes to, there are a lot of people who want you, who will pull on you, who maybe even make you feel guilty for saying no. There are a lot of people who want you, but there are a few people, there are a few people who need you. So when all is said and done, don't be depleted. Make sure there's enough fuel. And the only way to make certain of that is simply to slow down. So where are you? Why are you in such a hurry, Henny Penny? Let's slow down long enough to enjoy uh, this good and beautiful God.